We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow joining you at midnight on Tuesday, May 3rd. The Dallas Mavericks lost to the Phoenix Suns in game one of the Western Conference semifinals about a half hour ago, 121 to 114. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing okay. Um, very weird, interesting game. Uh, obviously, the Mavericks lost, so that's a bummer for us and for the fans. But, man, I mean, if you would have told me couple minutes into the third quarter that this would end up being a just a seven point loss i probably would have given you like the rock eyebrow a little bit um (laughs) well kind of just a weird game it's it's i mean we're gonna get to it but i'm gonna have to like talk myself through it to kind of break it down i think well so (laughs) the problem with the mavericks versus the suns matchup and you and i didn't get to preview the series and i think we would have talked about this a little bit and I talked about it a little bit on the Moneyball Dailies that I was running and some other things, is that when it comes to just pure talent disparity, the Suns have a significant amount more depth. And when you pair that depth with the fact that they may have, you know, Luke is the best player in this series. I feel confident saying that. But the Suns may have the next best four players it's just extremely difficult for the Mavericks to they're going to need to play a very solid team game for them to win. And tonight, a significant number of their players who normally perform, you you know, Brunson and Dinwiddie and going back to the regular season have good contributions game after game, but against the Suns, 
Brunson was awful. I mean, I, I'm okay saying that. Like a lot of people are just like wanting to make excuses for the fact that Brunson didn't have a good game, which I don't. We can talk about that. But then Dinwiddie, who is probably the bigger problem, once again was a no-show. Like you look at his box score and you're going to tell me he was okay. Like he had some buckets in the final minutes after the game was decided. And I'm really frustrated with Dinwiddie after after seven playoff games. Yeah, Dinwiddie, it's very disheartening that after the Mavericks traded for Dinwiddie, he basically played better than his Brooklyn self to close the season. And now in the playoffs, he's turned back into Washington Dinwiddie. Um, just very unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say other than, you know, we tried to explain away his struggles in round one, being that it was a bad matchup because Dinwiddie is almost stubborn in his will to get to the rim. And when you're playing against Rudy Gobert, well, that can be a, a problem if you don't have uh, a counter. And not saying that Dinwiddie doesn't have a counter, but he didn't seem to want to use it in the first round. I mean, it was just put my head down and, and try to get something at the rim. And when you're playing, it's one of the best shot blockers in the league that that can be difficult. Uh, and, but, and then now this game, you know, he got some threes to fall for once, two of four. And then he just kind of did the same thing where he just kind of recklessly drove to the rim without really a good option. Well, and I felt one of the things that, you know, Xavier wrote a brief piece on what Dinwiddie can do better. And, and, Xavier is one of the big proponents of Dinwiddie going back to last year on our website. My frustration with Dinwiddie is that he sizes shit up way too long. If you're the second or third ball handler in a lineup, you're often getting the ball on a rotation. You have to attack. He did that late in the game where he got it like a nice finger roll. But half the time, if you watch the first half, he's getting the ball on the wing or at the top of the key on a rotation, and he acts like he's Luka. You're not. Dribble the ball. Attack the paint. Do something with a purpose is really kind of what it comes down to for me. And he he does a lot of nonsense when he's on the floor. Yeah, he definitely needs to be more decisive. And I think that's how, you know, Brunson, even though he played a bad game, I mean, he still finished with you know, 13 points because uh, he just fronts and is kind of relentless, even if it's not, you know, even if those shots weren't working for him. I mean, he was pretty consistent in making, a, you know, a quick first move. He just struggled against the, the Suns Brunson, defenders. Brunson was, Brunson was six of 16 for 13 points. He no, I know, but I'm just saying he still had a better game than Dinwiddie, despite, you know, I still think. Yeah, he had a I, suppo- game than yeah I suppose we're splitting hairs. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, they're it's, both, they were both bad. I, I, I find myself more more frustrated with Spencer because I think he was put in more advantageous situations and did not take advantage of them. Whereas Brunson, Brunson was put in jail by the fact that the the Suns are designed to mitigate secondary scores. And you know, I had some interesting discussions back and forth with people online. I'm probably going to continue it in the green room, where you know we say when when we say that Brunson struggles against length i had someone say back to me like well like the average nba player is like 66 like what are you talking about and that's a good question because when i say length and when you know it's not just me it's you as well we mean like actual good defenders is what it comes down to so then your response back to me is okay so you're telling me that he's really not struggling that often because there aren't that many good defenders in the nba yes but we're in the final eight teams in the in the NBA right now. <laughs> right. Like we're in the conference semifinals. So 
I need him to be more than this. I need him to take more than one three. I need him to draw more than one free throw. If he is going to be a $25 million a year man, he has to he has to be able to do this stuff. Otherwise, all the things that Xavier and the various cap people who are really focused on the Mavs salary cap, this is why they're saying that. Because otherwise the Mavericks have a clear um, ceiling for what they can do in the next several years, and it's not what we want it to be. Now, I don't want to talk about Brunson's con- future contract. It's not what I mean. He he was tentative and got off to a bad start and simply didn't get better is, is what Brunson's challenge was. Or am I missing something? No, yeah, and I think it, it seemed like he was kind of playing the same style that he was playing against Utah, which seemed kind of odd, you know, because against Utah, it makes sense because he's cooking you know, yeah. Mitchell and Mike Conley and able to stop on a dime and, and he's shooting those little fades, you know, against bad contests against bad defenders. And then I'm seeing him kind of do the same thing, but you know, with, with Cam Johnson's, you know, hand, you know, all the way up in his face and trying to shoot those same fading 10 footers. And I'm like, you got to mix it up a little bit against the sun's defense. You can't just do what you did against Utah and expect the results to be similar. Um, again, the three pointer is a big deal here. He only shot one. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess a team as good defensively as Phoenix and as many athletic and long defenders that they have. I mean, this isn't just a Brunson thing. This is just a, this is what players should do against them. Um, there was an example. I can't remember what quarter. I think it was the third, but Brunson, it was a fast break and Luca got it to Brunson up ahead. Uh, he had the Suns defense backpedaling. It wasn't like a clear advantage, but the Suns were on their heels uh, and Brunson had an opportunity to catch the ball and basically stop and pop for a three above the arc. And instead, he kind of did a hezzy dribble and then dribbled into DeAndre Ayton and missed a shot in the paint against uh-huh. Ayton. And I'm just like, man, against the team, like against the team as good as the Suns, that's just a miss to me. Like he needs to be able to stop and pop and hit that three. Or, you know, even uh-huh. if he doesn't hit it, he needs to shoot it because otherwise he's going to be way too predictable to guard. I mean, one three-point attempt. I mean, the Suns are just good. If he keeps doing that all series, the Suns are just going to load up on his favorite shot. They're fine. It's going to be even harder. Yeah. 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 Because what we were seeing, and this is, this kind of gets to why the Suns are this good. Okay. Where Luca would get a mismatch. All right. Luca would get a mismatch at the top of the key. And it's not really a mismatch. He would get a switch is really what would happen. It'd be, it'd be Aiton. It would be Jay Crowder. And then the second person guarding the guarding the wing, so he'd normally be kind of free throw line extended. Uh, Luca would be like like shading to the left um, or the right, whichever you want it to be. And he'd be guarded, and then the help man would slide over. And the help man was always Mikhail Bridges or someone else who's like six seven with <laughs> wavy ass arms. And Luca would have, and I don't want to say who'd have nowhere to go. I mean, the man scored forty five points tonight. But his decision making at that point is like figuring out passes through a, through a, a just a forest of limbs. And when he would make the right pass, like I made a comment during the game that I felt like that Luca's a little bit of like like a really good NFL quarterback where he throws receivers open. He guided Dorian Finney Smith open a few times throwing to the corner and Bullock too, who just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn today. And Brunson's going to be the recipient of some of these passes, and he just has to catch and shoot. It's yes, I, I, a long way of talking about Brunson because and I want to I want to pivot to Luca, but like Brunson is capable of a lot more than he played like tonight, and it's really maddening because 
he looked like a guy who was playing with expectations and that sucks. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if we want, if he's going to be a $25 million guy, you know, he, he gets put on a higher pedestal in terms of how we talk about him. So, you know, 13 points isn't, you know, his, you know, he's, he's the Maverick's second best player right now. And he's eventually going to get paid like he's the Maverick's second best player. So, you know, if you want to be a contender, your second best player needs to be like all-star caliber. And then, you know, that's not what we saw from Brunson tonight, but it's one game. Uh, hopefully they can make the adjustments. I'm hoping when they watch film, you know, I, like I said, there are opportunities for him to get more threes off. And I'm hoping that they see this and he counters. Brunson also played a pretty terrible game one against the Jazz. Mm, uh, and he I came like back that. strong. So, okay. I mean, look at the Jazz. I mean, game one against the Jazz, he played 41 minutes and he was one of three from three. Yep. Uh, game two, he played 42 minutes. He was six of 10 in his 41 point game so hopefully he sees some tape sees the opportunities that are presented to him in, in regards to shooting more threes and, and he makes that adjustment <sighs> and then for me that's sort of the big picture stuff with this yeah. game it's not entirely accurate because there's been a lot of talk in the post game where jason kidd's like talking about going really small like it's very unfortunate because dwight powell has shown himself like dwight powell is a regular season warrior i don't want to kill the guy but he is simply not a starting caliber center in the NBA playoffs. Like we've had two series in a row where he has been useless. 16 minutes, one rebound, two points or four points. And Luca, you know, hand served him both of them. And comparing him and Maxi, you know, Maxi, who, you know, and let's be clear here. Maxi nearly, and I'm not exaggerating, like Maxi could have died tonight <laughs> on that foul. Like yeah, that that was, was a crazy fall. And so I went from being like very frustrated with Maxi's existence to being just like glad that he was alive. But him and Powell finished with two rebounds in a combined Ooh. 41 minutes. Wow, that's right. I didn't realize it was that bad. You can't, you know, and, and yeah. so understanding my gratefulness for Maxi's three-pointers, which helped keep the Mavericks in the game, and and just gratefulness that he didn't hurt himself. You can't do that. You you can't be that right. bad, and, right. I mean, and at that point, if you're if you're if those guys are giving you two rebounds in in however many combined minutes, and Aiton is still eating you up, I mean, why not play Finney? Like, what are you losing defensively and on the boards with Finney Smith at the five? Because it's not like you're you're missing I mean, out on much right now with with playing either Powell or Kleba as your one big. Let me just give you a really random stat here. So the Suns had one starter finish with less than six rebounds, and that was Chris Paul. The Mavericks had, you know, Luka had 12 rebounds. Brunson had four. Powell had one. And Finney, Smith, and Bullock each had six. Like, part of this is the Mavericks missed more shots than the Suns. But, I oh. I mean, it was a brutal rebounding game for the Mavericks. And I just I, 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 I rebounding is a little bit of a proxy war for me because the Mavericks have been have been beaten on rebounds significantly all year, like basically since they traded Porzingis. But you've got to find a way to do something to mitigate that, either if it's hitting more threes or you're drawing more fouls, which Mavericks actually did. Like they shot 25 free throws to the Suns 18. And yeah. realistically, that was like 20 to 8 for most of the, the up until the, the free throw shooting contest. The Mavericks like really lost the math battle in this game. And what I can't figure out 
is whether that's something that's sustainable for the Suns. Matt Moore was was telling me in the in the hardwood paroxysm slack. He's like, look, like the Suns for a significant portion of this game, sh- like their expected shot quality, like they were just on fire. So, but I've also seen them be on fire all year. Yeah, that's like, what they do. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I don't even know. I don't. I don't know what to do. So I don't know. Yeah. So a big thing for me um in terms of like what to do or or just something to look at i think i'm going to write about this when we're done is we haven't really talked about luca 12 15 yeah i know i know (laughs) we haven't even really talked about luca he had 45 12 and 8 uh on the 15 of 30 shooting um 11 of 14 from the free throw line i mean he was he was spectacular after i think a little bit of a dicey you know first four minutes where i think he was a little loose with the ball and maybe a little shell shock that hey, we're not playing against the Utah Jazz. <laughs> there are arms um, everywhere. Yeah, uh, I think he didn't settle in really nicely. I've, clearly, you don't score forty-five points on fifty percent shooting unless you settle in pretty nicely. But something I think that the like, I almost feel like the Suns are looking at this game and looking at Luca's box score, and they're like, "That's okay," because Luca had eight assists and five turnovers, and mm-hmm. eight assists is still obviously like pretty good. Uh, but I think, you know, he racked up, you know, I think he entered the fourth quarter with six or he had six for a very long portion of the game until like the, the end where the Mavericks made a little bit of a run. And I think he picked up a couple more. I think the Suns are okay with Lucas shooting 30 times, scoring oh. a bunch of points and not having 12, 13, 14 assists. My um, and apparently they were eight of sixteen. The Mavericks were eight of sixteen on Luca like passes for shots. So it's like fifty percent is actually a pretty good conversion rate. Yeah, and, I think the, the the number is the sixteen, right? That yeah. feels like a pretty low number. I think Phoenix. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Phoenix rotated really well, and I think yes. that they stuck to shooters. And the Mavericks really struggled because they couldn't take advantage of the Suns playing so far up on the role players, you know, like a guy like Finney Smith, he gets the ball and, and if he's contested so hard, you know, you would think, okay, we'll try to get them on their heels and go by them and, and initiate and keep the offense flowing. Well, the Mavericks just don't have enough of the, you know, it's basically Luca Brunson and Dinwiddie are the only guys that can consistently do that. Like mm-hmm. Finney Smith has shown some chops occasionally, but you can't in the second round of the NBA playoffs against the best team in the league. You can't expect him to be like a big assist guy like he was in certain regular season games and even, you know, maybe a game against the jazz. So I think the jazz were, I mean, I think the Suns were totally cool with Luca just going ham and they were just sticking to those perimeter shooters. I mean, Dorian didn't have a three pointer in the first half. And I feel like Dorian's three point attempts is pretty indicative of the Mavericks ball movement uh, or lack thereof. Uh, And I just don't, they weren't able to get the Suns into second, third rotations. It was just Luca. That's where I'm going to shot up. And it's like, we're going to see a really stupid series of conversations over the next 24 hours <laughs> yeah. about like Luca and over dribbling. And like, yeah. let me be clear here. Luca did in the first half, the ball popped a lot more in the second half. Luca was isolating and making bad decisions in the first half. He just was like, I know he scored 22 points, but I didn't really particularly care for how Luca played in the first half. Now, my thing is going to be if Luca Luca also passes up some insane looks at the rim. They all do where it's just like, like finally, like Luca had one kind of swooping. I don't know. I, it was one of his layups with his right-handed layup. I, I remember it pretty clearly where he was coming in from the left side and crossed all the way across the lane and got a layup up. And it's, it's just sort of difficult for me because I'm trying to reconcile my belief 
that he does need to move the ball more with my belief that he also needs to shoot some of these simpler shots. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Luca's such a challenging guy to cover sometimes because you can very, you can, can rate, like you can look at what the criticisms are and go, okay, that, that's a good point. But I, I just, I'm not sure what the Mavericks can do differently because if there's all these limbs in every passing lane, what are you, what are you going to do? Right, that's a that's a matter of so if if the Suns are sticking to your uh, to your role players and your role players can't get by them, you know when they get the ball rotated that way, it's. I mean, this is defeatist, but it's like you know get better players, uh, have better players in the, in those positions. But maybe the Mavericks need to maybe do some more off ball screening and cutting to try to take advantage of how aggressive the Suns are playing up on their perimeter shot uh, shooters. Um, you know, I noticed a couple times in the first quarter, I can't remember if he did it most of the game, but I remember when the Suns got out to that 9-0 lead, you know, the Mavericks are running their pick and roll with Luca, their stack pick and roll uh with Luca. And Jay Crowder, who wasn't involved in the play in the pick and roll, kept digging like off the off the weak side to just kind of make sure Luca didn't couldn't do what Luca likes to do. Like, you know, threw him off balance, made him yep. hesitate, made him made him dribble the ball back out instead of continuing to probe into the paint. And then that kind of gunks everything up. And I think the Suns were just kind of doing that all game. They were just kind of needling the Mavericks offense to to be a little bit more uncomfortable than they normally are. And it just goes to show how good Luka is that he can still, you know, score as well as he can and, you know, on, on decent efficiency as well. But another number – but I really think if we're going to look at this series and, you know, look at Luka's assist number and look at his made threes. And if those numbers are, are, are low, uh, despite – even if he scores 40 or, or 38 or whatever, I think the Suns are going to be totally cool with that. Yeah. And we, we need to be clear here because it's like you're years from now, you're going to look at Luca's, you know, playoff lines <laughs> and oh, Luca at 45. Luca scored like 13 points after the game was done. Um, the Mavericks were trying to make a late run, but they got within six and Josh Green for some reason fouled. I, I don't know why. I, I I mean, while I'm on the subject, Josh Green is not a playoff basketball player and the Mavericks have to play him because they need minutes soaked up. But I, I just, he's awful at situational awareness. Like there's a man, I mean, he, he dribbled at like Luca found him wide open in the corner for an open three with four seconds left on the shot clock. And he drove into traffic and turn the ball over. <sighs> yeah, that's difficult. Just, yeah, I, there's nothing more you could say. I mean, he's. No. I mean, he barely. Not, he had a shortened pandemic college season. He yeah. barely played 2020. Like, I mean, he's just he's a pup. I don't. I I've mean, said a lot of stuff where I'm like, yeah. this wasn't Josh Green's fault. Some of the yeah. shit he did today was his fault. <laughs> and people, ah, and I, Dalton, my, our buddy Dalton Trigg is like, look at his plus minus teasing me, and I'm like, man, come on, you know what I mean. But it's anyways, it's not on Josh Green, but it's like this this is just where you get into the nitty-gritty and the Mavericks can't have the kind of mistakes that they had against a team this good. Now, I, I hear you if you're if you're optimistic and you say, okay, this the Mavericks are gonna be able to come out, a couple of guys are gonna be able to play differently, gonna be able to play better, and they can figure some things out. You know, Jay Crider's not gonna hit a billion shots. Uh you know, I, I do think what Aiton did and what Booker did and honestly what Chris Paul did are pretty repeatable. Oh yeah, I mean Booker and Paul didn't even have. I mean Paul was pretty. I mean Paul Paul's pretty good. Three, yeah, but yeah. he had some daggers. But I mean, yeah, Booker was seven of twenty. I mean, I mean, there's some possible 
you know, those guys could kind of come back. Sure. I mean, the, it, the story was Aiden and then all the role guys, like Crowder yep. popped off, uh, Cam Johnson popped off, Payne uh, did more as a backup point guard than I feel like any of the Mavericks backup point guards have done uh, in the playoffs. Um, I mean, JaVale McGee, I mean, when JaVale McGee is stripping Luke at the top of the key and getting a fast break run out, and you're just like mm-hmm. looking at the Mavs into the bench guys, and you're like, come on. Uh, so that was that was difficult. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, adjustment wise, I mean, I think it's, I mean, you can't, I don't think you could start pal anymore as much as I've been a pal guy. Yep. Just start with Maxi and work small from there instead of just taking so much longer to get to what eventually works. I mean, fourth quarter is going to be interesting to see if it is, was the fourth quarter where the Mavericks played Finney Smith at the five, they outscored the Suns by 10. Is that, something to build on or is that just phoenix having a game in hand and, and kind of letting the foot off the gas so it's tough to say which one i think we'll find out in game two uh, yeah. but i mean if you're the mavericks there's not much more to cling to like you just you have to look at that fourth quarter and be like okay regardless of what whether the suns were were loafing it or not this was our best stretch of basketball by far let's get to that earlier obviously you can't play Finney Smith at the five for 40 minutes. But if you start maxi and then when the substitutions roll in, you then work your way towards it instead of, you know, kind of trouting out pal for his customary, you know, eight minutes a half or, or whatever that just feels like a waste of time. So they might, that might be the big adjustment because they just got to get to that quicker. Cause I mean, with Aiton, I mean, what are you going to do with Aiton? I mean, he's, they don't have anyone on the team that can guard him in, in a one-on-one situation. The way the Mavericks play defense He's going to end up on smaller guys and he's going to punish them the way Gobert couldn't, just like we, you know, everyone, everyone who analyzed this series said. Uh, and you don't really want to double him or, or, or shade towards him because, I mean, Chris Paul and Booker are so good. Like, do you really want to send two at Aiton uh, and give more room to the Suns', you know, all star backcourt? So uh, that's tough, but it feels like the only way to really neutralize it then is, you know, play Finney Smith at the five and, and make him guard three pointers and make him guard at the three point line and wear him out that way. And maybe that slows down his offensive game a little bit. Like uh, that's kind of the best I can think of right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I certainly think the Mavericks take a game. I, I don't think. Yeah. Well, this series is not over far from over. I mean, there's, I mean, if, if the fourth quarter went another way, I could understand maybe a bit more doom and gloom, but I, I think you have to take something from the fourth quarter and, try to you know see if you can apply it in game two and, and get a steal there yeah yeah i don't know uh, you know what i also hate what game has started late <laughs> yeah these are gonna be so <laughs> and rough. honestly that game moved it's... that game moved pretty well we're gonna we're gonna have to get our post game stuff in 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 order and uh be ready to cook right but you know it's uh you moved i'm i'm uh, you know i'm 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 gonna I'm gonna tell you about a hilarious life change after the podcast to where it'll make my life a little bit more difficult. But um, you know, we'll be back here on Wednesday night. I think I may talk to Tim Cato during the day tomorrow. He's there Ooh, okay. in Phoenix, you know. And Tim, it's my favorite thing about Tim. I can say this is late. Tim doesn't listen to the show, so oh, maybe he will. But like, uh, <laughs> you know, Tim's written about basketball for a real long time, and there are just moments in the year where you can tell Tim is really fucking sick of talking about basketball. <laughs> but when he gets into his game, there was a reason our staff was cooking with gas in like the mid 2010s. 
the t- the team was terrible, but the matter like our work was amazing because you and Josh and Ian and some of the guys who put stuff together were really in depth. It's just we covered terrible basketball, <laughs> and and Tim is having a real good time with some of this stuff where he really gets in the weeds of what the Mavericks are doing, doing some video stuff. It's why you and him were such a good one two punch back when you were writing with Mavs Moneyball. So we'll see what he says about this one. I mean, I. I think we've covered a fair amount of it, but it's going to be very, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of, kind of what the adjustments are, if there are any, I mean, this is just like for me. And I said this, I was on a show with Seth part now today for a while, where I just said, you know, my frustration with this is not this team. It, this team has been really fun to cover. I've been really glad to be wrong on so much stuff, but where you get and look at what they can do, it's like how much more blood can they squeeze from this stone? And I don't have a good answer for you. No, and I don't think we'll get a better answer until we see what they have uh, in game two. All right. This has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Uh, come to the website for articles. We'll have a fair amount of stuff, I think. And then I'm going to do a green room, or I'm sorry, Spotify Live right now, but hopefully people won't keep me for two hours because it's already late. <laughs> all right everybody be good and we will be back with you on wednesday night and that sort of thing talk soon today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.